let God transform your life as you listen to this inspiring sermon by Rev. Richard C. Whitcomb. Once long ago, before Ghana was a nation, before any of us were born, there was a serious drought in the land. Food was scarce, but Anansi the spider had the foresight to store up food, so he was well prepared. In fact, while others were hungry, he was eating. One day, because he was so proud of his foresight, he decided to have a feast to celebrate how he'd stored up food, but he did not want to share his food with anyone, so he closed all the doors and windows, and he plugged all the gaps in his walls in his house so that the aroma of the food would not go outside. He cooked and cooked, and it was so amazing. But as he was cooking, Achi the turtle happened to come around looking for food, and somehow he smelled the aroma of Anansi's cooking and decided that he would visit Anansi. He'll give me a bite to eat, Achi said. So Achi went and knocked at the door just as Anansi was setting the table. Anansi tried to keep very quiet and still, hoping that the unwanted intruder would leave. But Achi kept knocking, and finally Anansi had to go and open the door. Ah, oh, hello, Achi, Anansi said. Ah, you are invited. And so Achi came inside, and there was a feast. There were yam balls and jollof rice and, and fried golden plantain. Achi reached for the rice, but Anansi said, Oh, uh, Achi, your hands are dirty, and in my house, it's impolite to eat with dirty hands. Please go and wash them. Nancy said, oh, please, can you give me water to wash my hand? And Nancy said, eh, I don't have any. You have to go to the river to wash. Well, Ache didn't want to disgrace himself, so he went to the river to wash his hands. And quickly, Nancy started to eat and eat. He wanted to finish the food before Ache came back. He looked outside and saw Ache coming from the river. He quickly devoured the rice and the beans and the plantain and the yam balls and finished the whole food. Bata, bata. When Ache came back and sat down at the table, he noticed that all the food was gone, and then he realized that Anansi had tricked him. But he just smiled and said, oh, thank you for inviting me to your feast. I'm sure I will repay you soon. Well, that night there was a serious rainstorm. The wind blew, and the roof of Anansi's house was taken away, and a flood came and carried away all the food he had stored up. Anansi had no food the next morning, so he was very happy to receive an invitation from Achi to come down under the river where Achi lived to eat a feast. Anansi got dressed up, he went to the river, but no matter how hard he tried, he was too light to go under the water. He kept floating to the top, so quickly he rushed home. He put on a jacket and filled the jacket pockets with stones to weigh him down. He went back to the river, and the stones took him and weighed him down, down till he got to Achi's house. House. He saw a feast. He was about to reach for the food when Achi said, Oh, Anansi, in my house, it is impolite to eat with your coat on. Anansi had no choice but to remove the coat. And when he did, he floated to the top. And no matter how he tried, he couldn't get back. One hour later, a very well-fed Ache floated to the top and said, Thank you for coming to my feast. We'll have to do this again sometime. And that's the day Anansi learned a lesson we all need to learn. You see, oftentimes we think that the way to take 
care of ourselves is to keep everything for ourselves. But surprisingly, the Bible says stinginess leads to poverty. You don't get more by keeping things in greed. You get more by giving things away. In fact, God gives us the road map to riches, and it's through the path of generosity. If we obey his principles, we will see his prosperity in our lives. That's the powerful truth we're going to discover this afternoon as we come to the conclusion of our sermon series, The Favor Factor. We're going to study the topic of generosity and how it attracts God's favor. But before we learn more, let's bow our heads and pray. Almighty and everlasting Father, we thank you this afternoon for your grace, for your peace, for your love. We thank you that you are a generous God. Oh Lord, you have everything and you've given all things to us freely to enjoy, most especially your love and your son Jesus. So touch our hearts today. We submit to you. I bind every voice of the devil that would come to steal or disturb or distract us today in the name of Jesus. And I loose the power of the Holy Spirit in our hearts and minds to give us wisdom and grace, truth and peace that we might walk in your favor. We thank you by faith in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. I invite you to Join your faith with mine right now. Put your hand on your chest and pray after me. Lord Jesus, speak to my heart. Change my life. Manifest your glory in me. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Welcome once again to Agape House. Today, we're celebrating the wrap-up of our sermon series, The Favor Factor. We've had a great time looking at the favor factor and what attracts God's attention and favor in our lives. We began the first weekend in September, and we carried the theme of favor all through as we celebrated our 16th anniversary. We've seen that faith attracts God's favor and righteousness, for he says he will surround the righteous with favor and wisdom we saw also brings God favor. And today we're going to learn the final lesson in the favor factor, and that is generosity. Now to help us learn the truth for today, we printed sermon notes. They look like this. If you're joining us online, I invite you to download the notes free from our website and our social media platforms. Go ahead and take out your notes. And there at the top, you'll find our scripture text for today, Proverbs 11, 24 and 25. It's on your notes. It's on the screen ahead of you, but we all know that the Word of God has the most impact in our heart and on our lips. So I'm going to ask you to read these two verses out loud with faith. Read it with a generous portion of faith. Are you ready? Here we go. Three, two, one, go. Give freely and become more wealthy. Be stingy and lose everything. The generous will prosper. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. May the Lord bless the reading of his word to your heart today in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Consider with me for a moment the powerful promise of God's prosperity in these two verses. This is a roadmap to riches. This is the way that we can attract the favor of God. When we become generous, God puts his eye upon us and promises to open up great things to us. And best of all, this is a clear and direct teaching. There's no mystery, no uncertainty. There's no guesswork here. It's as plain as any scripture in the Bible. When you are generous, you will prosper. Giving to others results in great rewards. So let's break down these two verses and today discover the truth about generosity that attracts God's favor. And here's your first truth today. Generosity is an outlook. Everybody say generosity is an outlook. 
That's actually what our scripture says when it opens up in verse 24. It says, give freely, don't be stingy. Tell your neighbor he's talking about you. Yeah, see, the fact is God tells us plainly, don't be stingy, you'll lose everything. But you see, friends, the fact is, it's not how much you give, but how you give that truly matters. Generosity is an attitude not an amount. That's exactly what Jesus taught us. Listen to Luke 21, 1 to 4. While Jesus was in the temple, he watched the rich people dropping their gifts in the collection box. Then a poor widow came by and dropped in two small coins. I tell you the truth, Jesus said, this poor widow has given more. Somebody say she gave more has given more than all the rest of them. What are you talking about? Because they gave only a tiny part of their surplus. But she, poor as she is, has given everything she has. So the fact is that God said she gave more because it wasn't the amount she gave, but the attitude she gave with. For generosity is not an amount. It's an attitude. That's the lesson that we continue to learn from 2 Corinthians 9, 6 to 8. Listen carefully. Remember this. A farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. Now, here we go. Hold on. You must each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. And God God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. Each man, the Bible says, each woman should decide what they want to give. Don't squeeze your face when you give. Don't give because the prophet told you and he's manipulating you. Give because you want to do it. Give because you're cheerful in giving. For God loves a cheerful giver. God has no pleasure in the offering brought unwillingly. No matter how much you give, if you squeeze face and you're unhappy, it doesn't amount to anything with God. But God gives generously to those who give generously to him. Sadly, the fact is most people actually become less generous the richer they become in finances. You know, it's easy to give sacrificially when you don't have much. If all you have is 10 Ghana CDs, it's not going to carry you very far. You might as well just give it out and everybody enjoy the day. But when you have 10 million and you've got investments and businesses and homes and vehicles, you become unwilling to release them. And even though the amount on your tithe check may be more than before, it's a smaller percentage of your income. You're actually less generous. Oh, you're very quiet today. Once there was a church that was having a testimony service. Everybody was standing to talk about what God had done. Finally, a well-dressed businessman stood up. He had a three-piece suit, gold rings, gold watch, gold bracelets. And he stood to say, let me tell you what God has done for me. Ten years ago, I had nothing. I was without job, without money, without hope, without a future. The only thing I had to my name, I had a five Ghana CD note in my pocket. That was it. Finish. But 
but I came to this church and the pastor preached about giving and I said to myself, all I have is five Ghana CD. What do I have to lose? Let me give it to God. So I put the only thing I had, the five Ghana CD note, I put it in the offering. I gave everything I had. I gave everything and today I am a millionaire. God has blessed me and favored me. I have so much money because I gave everything in the offering. He said again, I gave everything. The people clapped and cheered and an old woman stood up and said, I dare you to do it again. Tell your neighbor he's talking about you. He could give when it was five Ghana CDs, but when it was a lot, hmm. So let me ask you a question. Are you more generous today than when you first came to Christ? Are you more generous today than you were last year? Because God wants us to grow in our generosity. God wants us to grow in generosity as we grow in our faith. So here's the truth you need to pack up and take home with you. Your generosity is not measured by how much you give, but by how much you keep. And actually, when you think about it, that's good news for all of us. Because if generosity is measured not by what you give, but by what you keep, then all of us can be generous. Every single one of us, no matter whether you have a lot of money at Echo Bank or not much at all. You don't have to be rich to give generously. You don't have to give millions. You simply have to give freely from a generous heart. Notice that our scripture text for today says the generous will prosper. It doesn't say the rich will prosper. It doesn't say the man who wrote the biggest check will prosper. It doesn't say the one who gave the most money will prosper, but the generous will prosper. And if generosity is an outlook and generosity is an attitude, then we can all be generous. We can all give freely out of what we have, even if we don't give the same amount. That's the lesson we can learn from an eight-year-old girl named Adjua. Adjua was home one day when she heard her parents talking about her younger brother, Andrew. They were speaking in hushed, solemn tones. And as she listened, she became alarmed because the dad was telling how Andrew had a brain tumor. Something was growing in his head. They'd exhausted all their money. He needed a surgery to save his life, but there was no money anywhere for the surgery. And they discussed about all the different options and then finally they said there's no one who will lend us the money no one to give us the money we need a miracle to save Andrew's life we need a miracle to pay for the surgery Adjua quickly rushed to her bedroom, went into her wardrobe, and brought out an old Milo tin. She'd been dropping coins in there, things her grandparents had given her, money she found on the road. She kept it in this Milo tin, and she poured it all out and counted it. Then she put it in her pocket and rushed to the chemist at the corner in her community. When she went in, she saw the pharmacist talking to a well-dressed gentleman. And when he saw Adjua, he said, just a minute, let me finish speaking to my brother from Chicago. And I just said, well, sir, that's why I came to talk to you. I came to talk to you about my brother, Andrew. You see, my parents said he's, some, so he's sick. Something's growing in his head. He needs a miracle. So I came to buy a miracle. Please, how much is the cost of a miracle? Well, the well-dressed gentleman knelt down close to her and said, Adjua, what type of miracle do you need? She said, I don't know, but the, my parents said my brother needs surgery in his head and we don't have the money, but I came to buy a miracle. 
Then the well-dressed gentleman looked at her and said, Well, I have good news for you. Today, miracles are available. How much do you have? She said, I've gathered all my money, and I have five Ghana CDs, 11 pesos. And the well-dressed gentleman said, well, that's exactly the price of a miracle for a brother today. Five Ghana CDs, 11 pesos. He took the money from Adjua and took her by the hand and went and walked to her parents' house. He discussed with the parents. He met Andrew and looked him over. And then he told them, I will pay for everything. For this man was a renowned brain surgeon from Chicago, USA, and he offered to do all the surgery at his own expense. The parents were elated. A miracle had come to pass, and so the surgery was done successfully. And finally, Andrew came back home healthy and happy, and they were all rejoicing. And his parents said, thank God for a miracle, as they recounted the events. Thank God for this miracle. Then the mother said, I wonder how much much that surgery cost. Adjua smiled. She knew exactly how much the surgery cost. Five Ghana CDs and 11 pesos. And the generosity of a sister. But you see, generosity is not the amount you give. But when you give freely, when you give joyfully, when you give everything you have, God can take it and make a miracle. God can do more with whatever you offer to him when it's given fully Freely and sacrificially, God can do more than you imagined. That brings us to our second truth today. Generosity is an opportunity. Everybody say generosity is an opportunity. Listen to how our scripture text continues in verse 25. The generous will prosper. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. So focus for a moment on that phrase, refresh others, because refreshing others is more than just giving money. It's more than meeting a financial need. Refreshing others is sharing hope and life and encouragement and love and warmth and comfort and friendship. That's why 2 Corinthians 9, 10 to 12 says this, God will increase what you have so you can even give give even more to those in need you will be blessed in every way somebody say in every way not just financially you'll be blessed in every way and you will be able to keep on being generous then many people will thank god when we deliver your gift what you are doing listen carefully what you are doing is much more than a service that supplies god's people with what they need it is something that will make many others thank god the way in which you have proved yourselves by this service of giving will bring honor and praise to god so here's the truth you need to understand. Your gift is more than just moving money from one account to another. Your gift is more than a financial transaction that provides a physical benefit. Your giving promotes glory to God. Your giving brings praise to God. Your giving makes an impact. Your giving gives God praise. Hallelujah. That's the true lesson we can learn from the true story of an African pastor in the USA. Way back in 1983, this African pastor happened to be in the city of New Orleans. He needed some provisions, so he went to the store and joined the queue to pay for the provisions. But as he was there in the queue, he noticed that the couple in front of him looked distressed. He could hear them talking. They did not have enough money to buy for their provision, pay for their provisions. And he felt the Holy Spirit talk to him and told the, the pastor to give them the money. So the pastor said, excuse me, and he gave them some cash, and then the pastor said, Jesus, Jesus loves you. 
Well, the couple paid for their provisions and left, and the pastor didn't think anything more about it. Nine years later, somebody say nine years later. Nine years later, this same African pastor was invited to New Orleans to preach in a church. After he preached, a man came up to him and said this. Nine years ago, my wife and I were at the end of our rope. We had no job, no money, nothing to look forward to. We had just our little baby. We couldn't see any way forward. We were so depressed, we decided to commit suicide and kill our little boy. The three of us go together at once. But on our way to the place where we wanted to commit suicide, we wanted to give the little boy some bread and milk before he died. So we went to the store and stood in the queue, but we didn't have the money. That day, someone tapped me on the shoulder and gave me money and said, Jesus loves you. We took our provisions and we drove to the place we decided to kill ourselves, but we couldn't do it. We wept for hours and finally we went back home. As we drove home, we passed a church and the sign in front of the church said, Jesus loves you. So we went back to that church on Sunday and my wife and I gave our lives to Christ. And when I heard you preach today, I recognized your voice and I recognized your accent. You were the one who gave me money, but sir, you didn't just give me money. You saved three lives. For our giving is not just a transfer of finance. Our giving brings hope and life. It's a witness of God's love. When you're generous, you're more like Jesus than at any other time. For when we're like Jesus, we point people to him. When we're generous, we make a way for salvation to come. The fact is God has called us to do more than just make a living. He's called us to make a difference in this life. And he can take whatever you give to him and make a difference. That's why giving is so often likened to planting a seed. When you plant a seed, you're not simply transferring the venue of the seed from the seed sack to the ground. You're doing more than moving seed. You're investing in something that will grow and bring a harvest. And that's exactly what you do when you give. It's more than just giving money and moving it from one account to another. You're investing in the kingdom of God. You're investing in other people's lives. And God will multiply your investment over and over and over again. For God created life to be invested, not to be spent. That's why the kingdom of God is likened to a seed that grows and multiplies. Listen to the words of Jesus in Mark 4. The kingdom of God is like a mustard seed, the tiniest seed you can sow. But after that seed is planted, It grows into the largest plant in the garden. God says, my kingdom is not something that's spent. It's something that's invested. It's something that reproduces and multiplies and grows. And that's the same truth in our own lives. For Proverbs 11.30 says, the seeds of good deeds become a tree of life. And no matter the size of your seed, when you invest it in the kingdom of God, it will multiply because the harvest is always greater than the seed. And God wants to take your time, your talent, your treasure, and everything about you and ask you to invest it into his kingdom, invest it into eternal values, invest it into what really matters. And he promises a return. He guarantees multiplication. He says you are going to be blessed and you're going to exceed your expectations through the impact of your life. For you can count the number of seeds in one orange, but only God can count the number of oranges in one seed. 
And generosity is an opportunity for you to increase in every way in your life. You can increase in your time, your talent, your treasure. You can increase in impact. You can increase in love. You can increase in every good thing. You can increase in the kingdom of God. So let me ask you today, what seeds can you sow generously today? We can all sow money, but we can sow love. We can sow words of encouragement. We can sow hope. We can sow peace and life. We can sow the gospel into other regions by helping pastors and churches. I'm giving everything I can because someone sowed into my life. And I'm here today because someone sowed to train me. Way back in 1974, I felt the call of God on my life. I was just a young 17-year-old man. I didn't have money. I wanted to go to Bible school, but I didn't have the funds. And God touched a woman named Kay Colville. She gave me 300 US dollars. And I took that $300 and went to Dallas, Texas and paid part of my first term and enrolled in the Bible school. And if my ministry has touched you, if my ministry has blessed you, if you've seen any good thing in me, thank God and thank Kay Colville because I am here today because she gave and sowed into my ministry. And that brings us to our third truth today. Generosity opens God's hand a favor. Listen to how our text says it. In verse 25, the generous will prosper. And I came to tell you today, that's a guarantee. God says, if you give, you will gain. God says, if you release, he will release rewards and riches unto you. It cannot be denied. It cannot be thwarted. God's promise of prosperity works for everyone who is generous. In fact, time will not permit me to tell you every promise in the Bible for the generous. But let me give you some of the more important ones. In Acts 20, 35, the Lord Jesus himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. The blessings of giving exceed financial rewards. You'll be wealthier, healthier, happier, more peaceful when you give. For Proverbs 28, 27 says, those who give to the poor will lack nothing. You will never lack your school fees. You will never lack your rent. You will never lack peace of mind. You will never lack direction. You will never lack unity. You will never lack when you give to the poor. For Proverbs 19, 17 says, if you help the poor, you are lending to the Lord and he will repay you. Listen, friend, if you take your money tomorrow and go to Echo Bank and invest in a 91-day government of Ghana T-bill, they will pay you interest because you lent them money. And God says, when you give to the poor, you are lending to me and God is going to pay you interest. He will give you back the principal. He will add interest on top of it. That's why Proverbs 11:24 says the world of the generous gets larger and larger and larger. There's always increase. You progress. You make prosperity an everyday occurrence. You increase and abound when you're generous. For Jesus said in Luke 6:38, give to others and you will receive. You will be given much. It will be poured into your hands more than you can hold. Hey! You'll be given so much, it will spill into your lap. The way you give to others is the way God will give to you. He said his overflow, his abundance, you can't keep it. You better get an apron because the blessings are going to spill on your lap. Somebody shout hallelujah. 
But it's not just blessings in this life. It's blessings in the life to come. For 1 Timothy 6 says, tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and generous to those in need. Always being ready to share with others. By doing this, they will be storing up their treasure as a good foundation for the future so that they may experience true life. Blessings in this life. Blessings in the life to come. That's why I'm convinced the richest people on earth are not those with the most money in the bank. The richest people on earth are the generous, for they have God's guarantee of favor. That's the lesson we can learn from the true story of the Ogan family from the United States. Way back in 1941, Mr. Ogan and his wife and their children were living a simple life when suddenly Mr. Ogan died. He left his wife a widow. He left three young children, Darlene, Edith, and O.C., other children who were older, but he left the three youngest ones, and they were really, really lacking material goods. There was no savings. They didn't own a house or a car. They struggled to make ends meet. They lacked everyday items that most people took for granted. But Mrs. Ogan was a woman of faith, and she had so much faith in God. The whole home was an atmosphere of joy and love and peace. In fact, there was so much happiness in the home, the children didn't know they were poor. Well, one Sunday they went to church, it was one month before Easter, and the pastor stood up and said, on Easter Sunday, we're going to collect an offering and give it to a poor family in our community. You've got one month to get ready, I want everybody to prepare and give sacrificially so we can help the poor. And the Okans were excited. They went home and said, what can we do to participate? Well, they didn't have any cash, but they decided if they cut down on their food budget, they could take the balance left over and give to the offering. So they decided to buy 20 kilos of potatoes, and every day for a month, the only thing they ate was potato. Then what they saved in the money they didn't buy food with, they would give to the offering. And not only that, they decided if they turned off the electricity at night and they didn't listen to the radio, they would cut down on their ECG bill and they could save money. Darlene said, well, I can go around and clean houses and everything I'm paid, I'll put to the offering. And Edith said, well, I can sew and knit potholders and give everything to the offering. And so even though they were sacrificing, it was one of the happiest months of their lives. Every night they would sit in the dark and talk about how much money they'd gotten, how much they'd saved. They would count it. And they realized that they were just one family in the church. If everybody sacrificed like them, the offering would be huge. They thought about the joy the poor family would have when they got that offering. Finally, the day before Easter, they'd gathered coins and bills. They counted it all up, and Edith and Osi went to the local supermarket, and they begged the manager to change the coins and small, small bills into something nice and new. He gave them three new, crisp $20 bills and one new, crisp $10 bill, $70. Edith and Osi rushed home to show their mom and Darlene they had never had that much cash in their life. They put it together and they went to church on Easter Sunday. When the offering basket was passed, Mrs. Ogan put in the crisp $10 note. Darlene put in 20, Edith put in 20, Osi put in 20, and they smiled. 
they went home singing, talking about what the poor family would do with the money. But as they were there in their house, they noticed the pastor drove up in his car, got out of his car, and he was holding an envelope. He came to the door, and Mrs. Ogan went to talk to him, and when she came back, she was holding the envelope, and there was a strange look on her face. The children asked her, what did he want? What's in the envelope? But all she did was open it and pour it out. Three crisp $20 bills, one crisp $10 bill, and 17 crumpled, dirty $1 notes. Suddenly, the children realized they were the poor family. Everybody in church thought they were poor. They didn't know they were poor, but now they knew it. They sat with their heads down and their faces silent and glum. And then they realized that of the $87 offering that the church had received, 70 of it came from them. What happened to the rich people in church? None of them talked much that night or the rest of the week. They kept to themselves. They didn't even want to go back to church, but Mrs. Ogan insisted. And on the Saturday before they would go to church the next day, she asked the children, what do you want to do with the money? <laughs> they didn't know. What do poor people do with money? They didn't know they were poor. They didn't know what to do. So Mrs. Ogan put it in an envelope, put it in her purse. They went to church. That day there was a guest speaker at church. He was a missionary. He was telling people, in the church about how he was preaching the gospel and building churches. And in those days, he said, we can roof a church for $100. Then the pastor stood and said, I believe we should all give sacrificially to help the poor people roof a church. And so the offering basket was passed and suddenly the Ogans smiled for the first time all week. And Mrs. Ogan looked at Darlene and Darlene looked at Edith and Edith looked at Osi and they shook their heads and they knew. Mrs. Ogan took the envelope and gave it to Darlene. Darlene gave it to Edith. Edith gave it to Osi, and Osi put it in the basket. And they went home smiling. After the offering was collected, the ushers counted it. Then the pastor and the missionary rushed up to the front. They were so excited, they were shouting. They said, hey, we've collected an offering. It was just over $100. We were able to buy a roof for a church. We're going to roof a church. Then the missionary said, I'm so surprised. I never expected such a big offering from a church this size. Then the missionary said, you must have a rich family in this church. And suddenly, the Ogans knew, that's right, there was a rich family in the church. They, they were the rich family. They were the ones who gave generously. Oh, others had more money and others had more possession, but they were the rich family because they were rich in faith and they'd stepped out to do something that would make an impact. They were rich in righteousness as they followed the Lord's heart. They were rich in wisdom as they advanced God's agenda. They were rich in generosity. Later in life, all the Ogan children were prosperous. They advanced out of material lack into material wealth. They bought cars and houses. But before they became rich financially, they were rich 
in the favor factor. And that's it. That's it for all of us. For if we follow their example, we too will be rich internally and externally. So today I challenge you to embrace the favor factor. Have faith in God. Get a big vision. Pray bold prayers. Take brave action to make an impact. Be rich in righteousness. Draw near to the Lord and live like him. For favor surrounds the righteous. And chase after wisdom. Answer wisdom's call. Align your thinking with God's thinking. Act in accordance with his word. And advance God's agenda. And finally, be rich in generosity. Adapt the outlook of generosity. See it as an opportunity to multiply your impact and experience the open hand of God's favor. For you will be blessed when you follow the favor factor. Let me pray for you. Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask you to touch our hearts today. Change us, Lord. Let us see what you see so that we will do what you say. Help us to follow you in faith, righteousness, wisdom, and generosity. We thank you in Jesus' name. God bless you for Amen. listening to this message. Reverend Richard C. Whitcomb is the senior pastor of Agape House New Testament Church in East Legon. If you are ever in Accra, we will like you to worship with us on Saturday night at 6 p.m. or on Sunday at 7.30 a.m. 9.30 a.m. and 11.30 a.m. You will have an awesome experience.